If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand. I want everyone to have an outline. Brother Steve will make sure you get an outline. It is so good to see uh, Esther Barnett and her family with us today. She lost a precious companion of many years. And, uh, but God gives strength, amen? God gives strength. So good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Uh, people are always asking us about Neil, our son. Most of you know that uh, he's gone through some very critical times. He is now, he is now saying sentences, not just speaking words. He is saying sentences. And uh, he's communicating quite well. He's not walking yet, although he can meticulously feed himself. And so thank you so much for your concern and for your prayers. We really appreciate it so very much. The last few weeks, uh, I understand if you're going to preach the same sermon to your entire congregation, you must preach that sermon three times. And the reason is is because people are so so busy and, and uh, there was a time when I was young that you, uh, you went to church every service. You never missed a service. And we know that is rare today. So if you're going to preach the same sermon to the entire congregation, understand that when you see this congregation here today, this is not the entire congregation of, of our church because there's several out today. And then next Sunday, you're going to stay out and they'll be here or whatever. So I wanted to bring us up to speed a little bit where we are today in this sermon. As most of you know, we started back in January preaching from Mark. Mark is, of course, one of the four Gospels. Mark is, is different from Matthew, Luke, and John in the fact that uh, Mark wrote for the, uh, he wrote for the uh, Gentile people, those outside, he called it outside the lines. And so we started that, and then uh, back uh, March the 22nd, we talked, we, our, the title of our sermon was Acting Cozy with the Riffraff. This is where Jesus associated with the tax collectors. As you know, he called uh, Matthew. He called Matthew, and Matthew followed him, and then Matthew had a party. A banquet, and Jesus attended. There were many that did not know the Lord, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders did not understand that. Why he associated with such awful, awful people. And I think the Lord has called us outside of these four walls not to partake, but to be part of that. Some lessons that we learned during that study, we are to separate but not isolate. I like that. We're the separate, and the Bible speaks of that. Paul, especially in his epistles, talks about being separated from the world, but you and I are not to isolate. Lesson number two, we are to practice contact without contamination in the world. And then the uh, May, May the 3rd, we talked about Christ's method of teaching. We extensively went through that. And some lessons learned there. Personal spiritual training is part of God's plan. Christ's method of teaching was telling stories. Can you tell a story? We talk about certain things and we tell stories, whether we saw it on television, 
whether it was our favorite program we watched or whether it was our favorite book and the story in the book that we read or whatever, we tell stories. Well, this is what Jesus did. He taught two-thirds of his teaching was with parables, stories. And so uh, he taught them privately as well as publicly. As most of you know, if you look at the parables of Jesus, he would teach to the whole, so to speak, congregation, and then he would take his 12 disciples aside, and he would tell them a deeper meaning or a deeper, tr- deeper truth about that particular story or that particular parable. And then uh, <clears throat> also on May the 3rd, we used this the same Sunday, we talked about Philip and the Ethiopian uh, eunuch. And it was very interesting in the fact that Philip, listen to this story, Philip was, had a great revival going in Samaria. People were being saved. There was wonderful things happened. And God said, Philip, he said, yeah. He said, I want you to go back to the backside of the desert, so to speak. I want you to go somewhere else. God called Philip to speak to one person after being in a revival of probably thousands of people. Some lessons we learn how important it is to be sensitive to God's divine appointments. Lesson two, we need to be uh, immediately obey God's direction. And number three, one-on-one ministry produces lasting results. And that's really, listen to me, that's really where we are with this teaching and preaching is this one-on-one ministry, this meeting in homes, this going down to Starbucks and not only enjoying a good cup of hot tea, but also speaking to people that don't know Christ. I remember five, six years, six years ago, I was at Starbucks on Guest Road and had a tremendous meeting with a man there. And, uh, you know, you can take advantage of that. Uh, Don Wofford, he, he had church at, Bisc- uh, not Biscuitville, at uh, Bojangles. Pastor here in Durham, that's where, he, that's where he taught a lot of the men and probably women also was at Bojangles. So it's important that we understand ministry, teaching the gospel, goes beyond the church. And, and really, that's, that's where we are. And then we talked about uh, uh, May the 10th. Uh, we talked about uh, Priscilla, Aquila, and, and Apollos. And this was a great teaching. I love this teaching. Priscilla, I love these names, Aquila, and Apollos, you know. And... Uh, Priscilla and Aquila were people that loved God. They were serving God. And they went to church and heard this man speak, which was very intelligent. And he was doing some wonderful preaching and teaching. But when they got there, they said, something's missing. Now, you can go to a lot of churches today and find something missing. I don't know if you've been to them or not. And I am by no means saying that we're the only church that preaches the gospel and that God blesses. I'm not saying that at all. But they recognized something was missing in this man. And the Bible says they took him aside 
and they taught him a deeper, it doesn't say it exactly this way, a deeper truth. And if you look at it and study it, and we did do that, one of the main things that they talked about was uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I believe at that time, Apollos was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lessons learned like Apollos, the Samaritan believers, and the Ephesian believers. There is something missing in the lives of many believers and in many churches. And we look at the believers in Ephesians, and we looked at the believers in Samaria, and they received, once they were saved, subsequent to that salvation, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Brother Don, that stopped or that ended with the early church. No, it did not. You can't find anywhere in the Scripture where the baptism of the Holy Spirit which is, which is an experience, as I said, subsequent to receiving Christ as your personal Savior. Also, another lesson we learned, the lack of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the church leaves a vacuum and the church powerless and without conviction. You can go to some places, some churches, some gatherings, and there's absolutely not enough conviction there to save a gnat. I mean, it, there's just no conviction How many of you know we need some conviction? We need the Holy Ghost to convict of sin, of judgment, of righteousness. And that's what the Bible says. When he, that third, that of the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity, when he comes, he will convict. And we need to some people that understand that. You know, if you're living in sin, practicing sin, knowingly, and it's a lifestyle, we need to be convicted. Well, if we make mistakes in sin, we need to be convicted. And that's God right there and right then to forgive us. The church needs the Spirit moving, manifesting Himself so that men and women will be convicted, fall on their face, and call out to God and be saved and stop doing the things contrary to the Word of God. I could just say that and go home. That's a, that's a whole mouthful. It's, it's important that there be conviction. And then last Sunday, we talked about P- Peter and Cornelius. Great story. Now, I have a copy of all of these, and I will make them available. I'm going to copy some and put them outside uh, in the, at the uh, Welcome Center if you'd like to get one. And the lessons learned last Sunday, a need for religious and devout people to be saved. Cornelius was a good man. He gave alms. He, was, he gave to the poor. He prayed, but he wasn't saved. A lot of good people think by their goodness, they're going to go to heaven. Being good is not going to take you to heaven. You must be what? Born again. <laughs> and the second thing that we learned, to be saved one must hear, one must believe, one must receive, and then one must obey, certainly, God's Word. Now, let's get started today. And I realize that the, I, get, I got the pulpit a little early, so I should let you out earlier. Oh, nobody wants to say amen to that. That was a silent amen in your heart, and you know it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, let, let me read, if you will, some scripture, uh, and, and, and I'm going to be talking about, if you don't, as I said, if you don't have an outline, 
Did, did you ever want to get one? Uh, Brother Steve will get you one. Paul's ministry at Rome while under house arrest. Next, there's not a greater person in the world next to Jesus Christ, in my opinion, than the Apostle Paul. I mean, it's just amazing when you look at Paul, look at his life, look at the epistles that he wrote, look at what transpired and how he affected the world and how he still today, over 2,000 years later, how he is still, there's just no greater person. But the curtain falls. We're going to the 28th chapter of the book of Acts, and we're going to look at this man the ending of what we have recorded, what Luke, as most of you know, Luke was a writer of the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts was not finished, and I'll get to that later on. But let's read some scripture, if you will, starting at the 28th chapter of the book of Acts, and read with us, if you will, beginning with verse 17. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go, because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything to which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak to you because for the hope, listen to this, of Israel, I am bound with this chain. In this chapter, in this chapter, you have, as I said, the final chapter, as we know, Paul's life. Paul ministers in Malta, a little island called Malta. Started in the first part of chapter 28. And then we have Paul. This is interesting, very important. Paul arriving in Rome. Paul wanted to go to Rome. His intentions was to go to Rome. He had a reason why he wanted to go to Rome. Maybe not the way he went, but he went bound up. He was chained. Chained between two men. Guards that guarded him. And so on the way, he ministers, ministered, I said, as I said, in Malta. He arrives at Rome. And then we have the ministry of Paul in Rome. And he's calling these Brethren, these people together, as most of you know, there was a church in Rome. In fact, there is a book in the New Testament following Acts to the Roman congregation. So all of this is together. And so he calls these and look at verse 21. Then they said to him when he had called them together, We neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who, have, who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think for the concerning this sect. For concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. The believers, the Christians. 
So when, verse 23, so when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God. Now notice the two things he did. He testified of the kingdom of God, and two, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Should I say this? How long? From morning till evening. So tighten your seatbelt. Let's just stay here a while. We want to practice what the Bible says. You know, Paul was a preacher and a teacher. He was a long-winded preacher. In fact, he was one place preaching. He preached along. A guy fell out of a window, broke his neck, and died. We've had some to go to sleep but never fall out of the pews. But if you fell out of the pew and broke your neck and died, I don't know, but I'd had the power to raise you. But Paul did. He went out and laid his hands on the guy, and he got up and lived. But he taught from morning till evening, and some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and what? Some disbelieved. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to look, first of all, notice your outline. Look at, look at your paper. You'll remember a whole lot more of what you read than what you hear. This is the last picture that we have of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a book of the New Testament scriptures that tells us about the what? Early church. It shows us what the early church was like. It gives us a pattern of churches in all time and concludes all times to come. Acts begins with Jerusalem. This is important. Acts begins with Jerusalem which of course was the capital city of the Jewish people and concludes by bringing us to Rome. I love, I love the way Luke, the physician, put all this together and it fits like a glove. It, it, it goes together like a puzzle. Rome was the capital of the non-Jewish world. So we see here the center of gravity moving from Jerusalem to Rome. And the purpose, I list the purpose, is to show that the Gentiles are brought into the kingdom of God. Who are the Gentiles, Brother Don? That's you and I. All those that that were not Jews were brought into a possible relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul arrives in Rome. After three days, Paul called the Jewish leaders and spoke to them. We just read that to you. Uh, Paul was permitted, I like this, to be by himself. Now, he was not out from a guard. There was always one guard with him when you read this chapter. He was chained to him. But Paul was permitted to have his own house. And the Bible says, one translation said rented house. He rented, he paid for it, the Amplified says, his own house. The Jewish leaders responded to Paul. There were different results. Some believed and some did not believe. This morning, we may have different uh, response to this message. And and whatever message it might be, whatever service we go to, some are going to believe and some are going to disbelieve. Ask yourself, am I believing the word of God? 
Am I obeying the word of God? Am I practicing the word of God? Some believe. Some, and, it may, and, you know, here it makes it clear that the word preached will not profit unless hearing is mixed with faith. You've got to hear what, what the word says, not just what Brother Don said. That you read on that screen up there, that's God texting to you every Sunday morning. That's, he, he's just doing it. He, God's texting to us. That's his word. We either believe it or we disbelieve it. it it's a whole lot better if you believe it and act upon it. Amen. Paul spoke to the Jewish leaders again. Paul completed the discourse by quoting from Isaiah. I don't have time to read that. Read the 28th chapter of the book of Luke, uh, of Acts this week. And read what Paul said, quoting from the book of Isaiah. It's great. They have ears to hear and hear not. They have eyes to see and see not. Number two, Paul continued for two years under house arrest. Now I want to read that to you. Look at verse... 30 and 31 of chapter 28. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received who? All who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. I don't know what my reactions would have been in Rome. I've never been in jail. I, I, I had some speeding tickets, don't like that. I don't, I don't like to go to court. It's scary. I don't, I don't like for cops to walk up to my window and look at me and forgive me, guys. But if I was facing death, if I knew that I was going to be tried, I would be getting my team together for my defense. I'd, I'd get the best lawyer I could. I'd, I'd do what, if I had to mortgage my home or whatever, if I was facing death, I'm not too sure. I'd be too concerned. And maybe we would. About all those people coming to our house and telling them about Jesus Christ. I said, guys, I'm sorry. Right now, listen, I've spent all these years. Paul was an old man. He could have he checked out. <laughs> you know, I've, I've paid my dues. We get older and we say, I've paid my dues. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, listen, we, we, we never retire from the ministry. And all of us are in ministry in some measure. No matter our age. But I believe, I, I don't know what we would have done if we'd been up, to, you know, for the death penalty. What would we, we have been doing? Paul was dwelling two years in this house, and he, was, he had a witness. He was still burning on the inside. The apostle Paul continued to witness for the Lord. Amen? Even in prison. Even in prison. I ran across this article this week, and I just loved it. Listen at it. In the year 1675 in Bedford, England, the famous Puritan preacher and writer John Bunyan was arrested for preaching publicly without a license. And he was jailed for six months. Previously, most of you know this, he had spent 12 years in prison, during which time he had written many books and pamphlets. Talk about Paul, John Bunyan. 
So rather than seeing this new imprisonment as a great tragedy, he took an optimistic view of it. Now, they put him in prison because he's out preaching without a license. He reported to have said, I've been away from my writing too long. Maybe this is not so much a prison as it is an office from which I can reach the world with Christ's message. It was during these months that he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, an allegory of the Christian life that is perhaps the most famous book ever written in the English language. Now we should all admire someone who accomplishes such so much for Christ while in prison. But as significant as John Bunyan's work was, has proven to be, the Apostle Paul's work accomplished something much greater. During this four years of imprisonment in Caesarea and Rome, he wrote epistles that far are far more important than even John Bunyan. Can you say amen? amen. These were men that did not let circumstances dictate what they did or did not do. They still were committed to writing, witnessing, teaching, preaching about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. They kept their eyes on the goal. I don't know what you're going through and what you're facing, have faced or going to face, but there's one thing, there's one message and others, that I'd like to say concerning this. Keep your eyes on the goal and the vision that God has laid out for you. Don't let anything distract you, no matter how young, no matter how old, no matter where we are in life. And I'm here to tell you, the things that happen to us, primarily the negative things, is to distract us from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It can be my wife. It can be my church or the church. It can, it, it, it can be children. It can be grandchildren. It can be work. It can be whatever it is. But there's one priority in our lives, and that is to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. Paul continued for two years. He received all who came to him. He preached the kingdom of God and taught the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. He taught with all confidence and no one forbade him. Paul, confined to his house, let nothing distract him, but had a great outreach ministry to those that had not heard the gospel. Look at your notes. Paul's preaching. He was not idle. It's so easy for us to sit back in our chairs. I love my chair. I'm so tired in the afternoon. I said, honey, if I can just get to my chair. And I reach down on that lever and I pull it and it puts my feet out and I sit there in deep meditation. Paul continued preaching despite his chains. And if you look at uh, Colossians and Ephesians, he requested prayers for wisdom and boldness to continue to preach. Listen, if if you're in prison, what are you going to request? Help! 
Get me out of here. Get, as I said, get me a good attorney. Come and visit with me. This food's terrible. I, want, I need something. To, you know, we, but listen to Paul. Meanwhile, while praying also for us, that God would open us to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul says, I'm in chains, but pray for me. What for? I want to preach the gospel to the unreached. Listen to what he said to the church at Ephesus, 6, 18, 20. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel, which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I'm just amazed at this man, though in prison, his whole life, well, you pray for me, not that these chains would be broken, not that I won't suffer, but church, would you pray for me that I'll be able to speak boldly for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray for me that I could be a good witness for the Lord? No matter the circumstances. No matter what we're going through. Paul continued to preach despite. Listen, during this time, listen, during this time, Onesimus, most of you know, this, these are the four books he wrote while he was there. These are the four books. Can you imagine you and I, can you imagine the world not having the book of Ephesus. I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians. Can you imagine us not having the wonderful little book of Colossians? And then Philemon, one chapter, powerful chapter, about a slave by the name of Onesimus uh, that had run away. He's a runaway slave. But he... Listen, listen, listen to this verse in Philemon. Listen at it. I appeal, he's talking, he's talking to Philemon. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Bless God, I'm not going to worry about Onesimus. He's a runaway slave anyway. He'll not run away. He'll stay there. You know, all these things he could have said, he said, no. Time out. I'm sitting down and writing this wonderful, wonderful note. And he writes it. And then, of course, the book of Philippians. At opportunities among the palace guards, this is during his preaching, apparent success in Caesarea. Follow me. Don't lose me. Here we go. Look at Philippians 1, 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. I don't know why we go through what we go through. I don't know why things come upon us that come upon us. I don't know why the suffering sometimes and the, and, and, and the hopelessness and the pain. I don't know. But Paul said what happened to me happened to me that the gospel may go forth so that it can be so that it has become evident 
to the whole palace guard. He was able to minister to the palace guard. He was able to, to, to minister to the high and to the low, to the rich and to the poor, even while in prison. He didn't let this become a hindrance to him. Become evident to whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Wow, what a wonderful way to look at circumstances that came upon him. Would to God that we could see that. The field of usefulness which he saw open to him. And here they are. I want to read them. A, to the church there. He ministered to the church in Rome. B, to his own countrymen. He ministered to the Jews. Some did believe. C, the people of Rome. Some of them believed even up to the, to the palace. The blue collar and the white collar. To the churches abroad. He sat down in that prison and wrote to those four churches. And today you and I are gleaning from the writings of the Apostle Paul while he was here in that rented house. Ministering to people, busy as he could be, not worried about it. As most of you know, he was later, of course, he was released from prison, but later put back into prison and he lost his life. But he wasn't afraid. He wasn't letting that deter him. Notice some lessons. Someone put it this way. A believer's spiritual maturity can be measured by what it takes to steal his joy. You like that statement? The, the uh, believer's spiritual maturity can be measured by what it takes to steal his joy. What steals your joy? I got upset with Carol yesterday. It stole my joy. I'm telling you the truth. Now, I didn't cuss. I didn't slap her. But I got upset with her. And I went off, said some things I shouldn't have said. I've apologized. I know y'all don't do that, probably. But that stole my joy. What still is your joy? I quickly got it under the blood. I quickly got it under the blood. Let me tell you, I don't know what steals your joy, but your maturity can be measured what steals your joy. And he goes on to say, look at number one. No matter the circumstances, we may enjoy a great deal of joy and a great deal of liberty. We must take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. I want to say something that's, that I, I believe is very important, and I'm about to close here, okay? And that is, I believe that many in this church are going to have opportunities to reach the unsaved and the unchurched like never before. I don't believe God had us to preach and teach this sermon from January till now about reaching people outside of this church and not provide opportunities Opportunity after opportunity. Every day of my life, whether it's someone at the filler station getting gas or someone at a restaurant 
And boy, I work on those, I work on those waitresses and waiters. Oh, do I do. Now, I don't, I, I leave them a good tip. There's not a bit of need of you witnessing to a waitress or a waiter and, get, and leave them no money hardly whatsoever. I believe God is going to give opportunity after opportunity. Doors going to open. Doors going to open. Lest you and I purposefully say, God, like Paul, I want to speak for the Lord Jesus Christ. God, help me to be aware that whenever that door opens, that that I'll utilize that. And take advantage of those opportunities. In our latter years, he was old. We can still be productive. Can't we? Paul wrote those four epistles when he was older, in prison. Ah, hallelujah. When facing conflict and criticism, keep focus on what? The big picture. Last Sunday, we sung that song, and I love that song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. There is so much to distract us from seeing Jesus Christ and what he has for us. We need to every day purposefully, knowingly turn our eyes on the goal that Jesus Christ has for us. Do not accept carnal or worldly criteria as a measuring stick of success in ministry. Oh, they got a mega church. They got a big church. All of this stuff, and and listen, I am not knocking that. But the world's measuring stick is different from God's measuring stick. Philip leaves a whole revival preaching probably to thousands of people and goes down and speaks to one person, and he was very successful. Can you imagine if all of us here got this vision and, got, and caught on to, with passion concerning reaching the unsaved, what would happen? Next Sunday, two or three come in and on their arm is a person that they wanted Jesus Christ. Uh, Chip just did that. He brought someone last Sunday from Walmart. I love that. I love that. Go to Walmart. Go somewhere. Go Tell somebody about Jesus. Invite them to church. And even better than that, if the opportunity is there, win them to Christ right there. Right there. Hallelujah. Though a prisoner, Paul continued to do what Paul always did, preaching the kingdom of God, Christ crucified. May this, may his, I love this, may his faithful perseverance in ministry, despite suffering, serve as a powerful example for us. Now, this is to all of us here. Every one of us. We've got a good spread out crowd of people today. We're going to have more. We're going to have about this many tonight. You better come early. You want a good back seat. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. But God is speaking, I believe, to every one of us to tell somebody about Christ. I don't know whether we're all saved here or not, but... uh, If you're not, you can be before you leave. But I believe most of us probably know Jesus Christ. And I believe the Lord is speaking to us today. And then the last thing I have listed here, number five, the book of Acts is left incomplete as it 
And this is by F.P. Meyer. I love, if you, if you want to read a good writer, read behind F.B. Meyer. The book of Acts is left incomplete as it always will be, while one believer is left to teach and preach those things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Why didn't Luke finish Acts? Because you're a part of Acts. You're part of Acts. Brother Matt, uh, I want to sing with Judy. We're going to sing with Judy in just a moment. But if we could end with that last song that you sung today, I would love to do that. I love that song. I believe this with all of my heart. I believe God is supernaturally, wonderfully speaking to this church. The time is ripe. The field is white under harvest. And, and one prayer request that Jesus, I didn't say it was the only one. One prayer request that Jesus gave was that God might send laborers into the field. He's calling you. One said, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a deacon. I'm not an elder. Every one of us are ministers to the kingdom of God. And just as sure, and I believe this, as I'm standing here today, many of you are going to have an opportunity next week to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Father, we love you today. Father, we love you today. I thank you for your word. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, it has a way of reaching way down deep in our lives, removing that that shouldn't be, calling out things that maybe has been there for a long time. Lord, as we come to a close of this service, we ask you to search our hearts and our lives. Lord, if, 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 if there's sin there, if we've said things we should not have said, used words that we should not have used, had an attitude that we should not have had, we take out time this morning to say, forgive us. We honestly, openly, sincerely ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us today, Lord. And Lord, if there is one person here today that if Jesus, Father, your son would come, that they would not go with him because they don't have eternal life. If there is one person here today that would die, and God forbid, that would not be ready to face eternity prepared, Let them know, dear God, that you are speaking right now to that life.